Hello everyone, and welcome to the Boundless Gamers Show. Today, I'll be your host on this great journey of gaming news and all things from soft. My name is Indy, and I had Red Bull about an hour ago, and joining me tonight to talk about his great blue love, Liara, and wrong opinion of the Jurassic Park movie being better than the book, is Mike. Say hi to the people, Mike. No, 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 I don't care about the people right now. You just had to bring Jurassic Park into this. I'm hosting, I'm going to do what I want. <laughs> you just had to... People know I'm right. No, the people don't know that. Get a hundred people in a room that seen the movie and read the book. And I guarantee you, most of them are going to pick the movie. Well, I guarantee you of our listeners and our circle of friends, you and I are the only ones that have done both. So we will just forever be at odds about it. Or if you are somebody who happens to listen to the show and has read the book, just tell Mike he's wrong. I'll greatly appreciate it. I'll even pay you. Anyways, I'm doing good. Let's drop that because we'll be here for 10 minutes talking about it. <laughs> yes, we will be. Uh, oh, man. So, um, yeah. Welcome to episode 38, guys. Um, you can check us out on all of our social medias in the description below. Check us out on Twitch. Um, don't know if we're going to have an official schedule this week or not. Um, we're still trying to figure out who's doing what because we have some things we're thinking about doing to shake some things up. Um, Ash may do a art drawing session. Oh, nice. We're playing kind of loosey goosey with the stream, um, last week and this week. So we'll let you know as the days come, who's doing what on what days, uh, more likely though, it'll still stay the regular Monday, Wednesday, Friday schedule. Um, it's just, it'll be a draw of the cards or out of the hat or whatever you want as far as who will be doing what. With all that being said, let's move on to what we're playing mike i'm going to let you go first boy yeah i've been playing a lot indeed because <laughs> we had that week off and i took advantage of that so i just pounded in so much game time <laughs> i finished horizon forbidden west and platinumed it number 127 i hope to get 130 soon because i'm working on a few other games right now the game's I've played, like I said, is Horizon, Forbidden West, and Cyberpunk 2077, but we'll get to that in a second. I got some things to say about that game. But yes, Horizon Forbidden West, fantastic game. I absolutely loved it. It's just a great sequel. Like It does so many things better. I think the side quests are better. The story... It's hard to say, like, which game is better in that department, but I'm kind of leaning towards Forbidden West just a little bit, just because of what it introduces and where the story is going. Okay. I find it very fascinating, like, what they decided to do with it, because when they put out the first game and I finished it, I was like, where are they going to go with this in a sequel? It kind of feels like it's done. So in Forbidden West, they introduced something that's really freaking cool. And it completely opens everything up. I loved Aloy. I think the voice acting is pretty good for the most part. I, I don't really have any issues with it. Now, just before the show, I was talking to Jacques. And he told me he thinks the dialogue isn't good. Uh, mostly for the NPCs and the other side characters that are with Aloy. I think that's who he's referring to. I don't think he's really talking about Aloy. Gotcha. But I, I didn't really go into it too much with him, so I'm not sure. Maybe he does think that about Aloy. I don't know. 
But yeah, he said the dialogue isn't very good. He thinks the characters are very generic. And he's just kind of rushing through the game. He's just going straight through the main missions and kind of skipping the side quests. And if he does the side quests, he's kind of skipping the dialogues. I'm like, I don't really see where he's coming from because I don't see any of that in the game. I think the dialogue is pretty damn good. I have no issues with it whatsoever. I don't know how much of it you've seen. Did you hear any of the dialogue in this game? Like, what's your opinion on that? Like, a lot of the time, uh, I am watching Ash go through it a little bit. Um, I haven't paid super close attention to it, um, because typically when she's playing on the PlayStation, I'm in handheld mode on the Switch. But I do look up occasionally, like, just to kind of look and see what's going on and listen to the dialogue. Um, I mean, I, I can kind of see where Jacques coming from a little bit. Like, I mean, some of the side quests and some of the side characters, it does sound a bit generic, but I mean, to me personally, that's going to be in every game. I mean, um, not every game is going to be like a God of War to where even side missions are going to sound amazing or the Witcher where, I mean, you could have a side quest that impacts you just as much as the main story. Um, but I mean, I don't think it was anything like necessarily to gripe about from my side if, or, or rather, um, there's nothing to gripe about from my point of view. Um, there are much worse games that have had much worse dialogue and much worse audio that I've experienced. So I, I don't know. I mean, it's to me, side quests are meant to be kind of these generic go-fetch quests. Um, Spider-Man had plenty of those as well. Well, I'm not sure if he's saying that just for the side quests. He might also be saying that for the main quests as well. I'm not 100% sure. I didn't go into it fully with him. Now, I mean, on on the main quests, I didn't really get that feeling. Um, just from what I've seen. Now, I did message uh, Jason and George and Ash right before we recorded, I, I asked Ash, you know, about that. Like, do you think the dialogue is generic or, you know, is there any issues in that department? She doesn't think there's any, I think she said it's 10 times better than the original. And we'll see. What did Jason say? Uh, he said, no, I'm enjoying it a lot. The only generic thing is the rebel camps. And he's 100% right. I hate those things. <laughs> They're like, shitty far cry things you do in that world where the, the stuff you don't want to do it's it's like they went into that game and just took it out of there and stuck it in this so yeah it's like the fallout 3 uh preston garvey another settlement oh, needs God, your help please, thing. no no, no. <laughs> don't remind me of that i like fallout 4 but that was just brutal oh yeah that was four not three my bad so yeah i i don't agree with that but maybe jacques will uh change his mind as he plays more of the game because he's still kind of early on so i know when i first started playing the game the first two hours it wasn't gripping me at all like it wasn't grabbing my attention i was just kind of like yeah this is all right but then it got really good at least in my opinion i thought it got really really good like the stuff that they were introducing was so cool now as for the combat and all that stuff i'm not going to get into it. It, it it's just as good as the first game they just made it better in certain ways like here and there but the main thing I want to talk about is the graphics and the environment. It's just fantastic. It oh, looks it's so stunning. Beautiful. On the PS5 and PS4, I've seen the PlayStation 4 footage, uh, the base model, 
the PS4 Pro, and it looks phenomenal on there. And on the 5, it's, it's just enhanced as high as you can go, at least for what they're working with. Because the PS4 is holding it back a little bit. Like, they can't go full crazy PS5. Yeah, now without running into a cyberpunk issue. Oh, no, 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 no. We'll get to that in a second. <laughs> <laughs> Don't start me with cyberpunk just yet. Uh, but yeah, the thing that's not great about this game is the uh, glitches in the visual department. Stuff flickers. Things kind of phase in and out of existence. However, they did patch it just recently. Oh, good. So it happened after I beat the game figures. At least a lot of it is gone now. There might be some stuff still there floating around, but they were on top of it pretty quickly. Uh, but yeah, other than that, I I love this game. I highly recommend it. Guys, just go seek this out. If you played the first one and you haven't gotten around to this yet, please make time for it. You're not going to have a bad time with it. I, I think you're really going to like it. Uh, and I'm curious to hear what you guys think about the dialogue. Because I'm not saying Jacques is wrong and we all disagree with no. him and all that. I'm not, not. That's not what I'm trying to highlight here. I actually appreciated that he said that because I love it when somebody brings a different opinion to the table. Oh, yeah. I don't like it when everybody's just echoing the same thing. It's not interesting to me. So when he said that, I was like, oh, really? Why is that? It piqued my interest just immediately. So Jacques, I want more reports. Give me more reports soon. I want to hear them. <laughs> but yeah, uh, next game, Cyberpunk 2077. I finished it. It's not a very long game, so some of you might be thinking, like, oh my god, how much time did you sink into these games, Mike? Like, what, what have you been doing? Yeah. <laughs> Cyberpunk's main story can be beaten in around 10 to 12 hours if you just beeline the story and do nothing else. So it's pretty damn short. But if you add the side quests on top of it, you're probably looking at 25 hours-ish, something like that. And I haven't gone through all of them yet. Um, it's also a game that will give you different endings depending on how much you do um, outside of the main quest. I found that out after I beat the game. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm at the point of no return, so I'm going through the side quests, and then I'm going to do the ending again and see what's different. I'm probably going to upset Ash right now. Uh -oh. I don't like the story. It's kind of just there. And it's shocking because they created this beautiful world. I like how everything ticks and runs and how it has that Blade Runner Deus Ex feel. Yeah. All of that is fantastic. But the story they gave us is just kind of limp dick. I, I don't. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll agree. I don't think it's that great. I think some of the side missions are better than the main campaign. Agreed. And... I don't I don't know. Johnny Silverhand is cool, but there's times I feel like Keanu Reeves is just reading words off of paper. Yeah, he he kind of plays like Keanu Reeves playing Keanu Reeves. Exactly. And as for some of the other characters, they're a hit or miss. Some of them are pretty good, while the others are just eh. That's a difference of opinion. Some love all the characters i thought it was just a mixed bag so to each his own yeah 
I know with Ash's playthrough, it wasn't so much the main story that she fell in love with, but it was how her decisions in a lot of the side quests kind of came to fruition at the very end. Like, getting to see the actions that she chose and who she chose to romance and what happens at the end of that story is what got her. I know for me, I, I still haven't beat it. Because I tried to do a lot outside the game, and I found a lot of side quests to be very interesting. And then I got to the Johnny Silverhand missions um, at the point of no return, where you're like trying to... I'm not going to say anything, because there's still plenty of people who haven't played it. But there's a there's um, a couple of quests you have to do for Johnny at the very end. And I did most of them, and I just like I fell off of it, just because... I, I hate to say it, but to me, he was the least interesting character in the whole thing just because he it, it it seemed very bland most of the game is focused on him too yeah the main campaign is i won't say why but the main campaign is revolves around him and a lot of the side missions he's a part of as well so if you don't like him <laughs> you're gonna have a problem <laughs> now here's something i don't understand indy why is this game putting so much stress on consoles? When I was playing it, I kept asking myself, like, why couldn't they yeah. get this game to run properly on the PS4 and Xbox One? There is nothing in this game that screams, this can't run on last gen. It's impossible. Now, on the current gen systems, because I, I played it on the PlayStation 5, the, the PS5 version, the lighting is phenomenal. and the, the smoke coming off the buildings looks very realistic. Uh, little things like that you can't really do on the PS4, but they tone those things down on the last-gen version. You don't really see a lot of that. Because I was talking to George about about this, and he was saying, well, maybe it's the lighting and stuff that's affecting the PlayStation 4. I'm like, no, that's not it, because they turn a lot of that shit off. There's nothing in this game, mechanically, that is just doing crazy things. There's nothing crazy going on in the world. I just I don't understand what's why it's struggling to run. I want to say what I I could be mistaken. I may be remembering it wrong, but I think it had to do with how many AIs they were trying to populate into the area, um, and that was just crashing games. Like it could not handle that many characters walking Night City at the same time. They did tone that down, and they also toned down the cars in the game. There's times you're driving around, there's no cars at all in a city. I'm like, this is weird. Everything in this game is standard stuff that you see in other open world games. Yeah. So what the hell is going on underneath the hood? When I was playing this, this game was loaded with glitches. So they didn't (laughs) fix the game, as they say. It's not fixed at all. Sure... I don't see cars flying up in the air and I don't see really crazy shit going on, but I'm seeing buildings flicker in and out of existence. I'm seeing cars disappear. I'm seeing crashes with the game. The game hard crashed on me four times. Oh God. There's weird glitches like a sandstorm that just completely engulfed the city and it wouldn't go away. Now that there's a side mission that triggers a sandstorm. I'm not going to go into the, to the story of the mission. I'm not going to talk about that. Don't worry, guys. But after I did that side mission, I went back to the city and the storm was still going on. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. Okay, it carries over to the city. 
But then as I started to do more missions and go inside buildings, I see the sandstorm going inside the building with me. And I'm like, uh-oh, no, this isn't right. So I, all right, let me reset the game. Start back up. Sandstorm's still there. I'm like, okay, what the <laughs> hell am I supposed to do? So I, I, I Google the problem and see if there's an answer. And somebody figured out that you have to go back to your apartment and go to sleep and wake up and it fixes the glitch. Jesus. I've had the car die on me or I can't start the car at all. It just sits there. And that's a problem when you have somebody in the passenger seat that's the objective and you got to bring them somewhere. Yeah. And they won't leave the car. So I'm screwed. So I have to like go back to a previous save and do it all over again. Yeah. I had similar glitches when I went through it. Like the the cops, there's no cops in the game. They they actually completely, well, they're there, but they almost completely remove them. They never show up. Oh, wow. They never show up at all. You, you occasionally see them on the streets, just like writing somebody a ticket or something like it's scripted. I actually tried really hard to trigger them and I only got them once to come out. And when they came out to, to come after me, they stopped, stared at a wall and just stood there and didn't do anything. Now, that is shocking, because when I played, the, the cops were like, you know, you, you litter, and SWAT's going to get called on you. Yeah, the, the the problem before was the cops showed up all the time for even the most ridiculous reasons. They would even spawn inside buildings. So what they did is just almost shut them off. And what's even funnier is I actually walked up to a cop car where there was cops there, went into the driver's seat, took off, nothing happened. No response Jesus. teams. Nobody came after me. There was even a side mission where th- there is cops that come after you, and I lost them in like five seconds. I, I can uh. keep going. I can keep going. Things disappear. The textures are not always loading in. I'm walking down the street, and everything's flickering all over the place like I'm in the Matrix or something. So this game is not ready yet. Yeah. I don't care what people say. It's just not ready. And the funny thing is the same problems happening again with the player base. Some are saying I didn't have any issues and other guys are saying my system crashed 20 times and I can't play the game well. So it's a roll of the dice. Yeah. Jacques could start it tomorrow and you could have very little problems or no problems at all, or he could have more problems than me. That's insane. I know I'm sounding negative here, but I'm just saying it how it is. It's all constructive criticism. I just I got to speak the truth here. I don't, I'm not going to just make up good things about the game when they're not right. really there. Now, I will say the um, the haptic feedback on the PS5 controller is awesome when you're driving. They did a really good job with that. You could really feel it in the triggers and all that. I don't know. Like, it's it's a good game underneath, but there's just so much shit on top of it that's overshadowing the good stuff about this game. It's like a dark cloud just hanging over cyberpunk. I I feel like at this point it's time for CDPR just to cut their losses and move on to the next thing. (sighs) But the combat's fun. All that's good. (laughs) Uh, There's moments in the story that will wow you. Like there is awesome moments and I'm not going to deny the game that. But like I said, the overall story, uh, whatever. (laughs) When it was over, I was like, okay, well, that was it. And another funny thing is the game just goes straight to the final mission, like out of nowhere. 
like here's the point of no return and i'm like yeah it, it is kind of just abrupt <laughs> i'm like i barely even scratched the surface with the story and you're telling me we're at the end of the game <laughs> yeah i love sci-fi games i i love these kind of worlds but if you ask me witcher 3 blows it out of the water and i'm not a fantasy guy I will always choose sci-fi over fantasy, but I'm just going to tell you like it is. Witcher 3 is the far superior game. It's not even close. That's all I got to say about Cyberpunk. I'm sorry, Ash. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to upset you. There's good <laughs> things about this game. They're there. They were just buried underneath all my problems. If it's broken, it's broken. <laughs> But that's it. Uh, well, I have one other game, but I'll talk about it later. But, uh, Andy, what have you been uh, screwing around with? I have been playing one game this entire time, and that's been Elden Ring. Which is honestly what our topic is about. So I'm actually going to save what I'm playing for the main topic. Instead, I am going to talk about um, two things that don't... Well, one has something to do with gaming. One is a movie. I went and saw Batman last night, so we're going to talk about that for a second. It is amazing. If you were to take the Christopher Nolan movies and mix it with the Tim Burton movies, that is Matt Reeves' The Batman. Easily the best Batmobile to me. Really? And it's not like, um, you know, in Christopher Nolan's Batman, it's like it's a it was a militarized thing. Like it was ready. It was good to go. He just painted it black. And that's the Batmobile. <laughs> leading up to things you see where this has been a project car like this started out as a American muscle car that they have just slapped shit into to make a <laughs> to make it what he needs it to be the whole movie is him learning from his mistakes um like just he struggles he's not like this invincible Batman throughout the whole thing where he just beats everybody's ass no he gets his ass beat in return I actually took Ash to it, and she didn't want to go because she has not liked the past few Batman movies, but she walked away from this one really liking it. Mm. My only complaint is that it runs really long. There's a point where they could have cut it, and they could have done like some post credit scene. It would have been great, but instead it goes on for like another half hour, and at that point, it may have also been the fact that it was past midnight because we went and saw it late. But I was like, okay, this is this has been a great ride. It let's let's wrap it up. Cause I want to say the runtime was, I think it was three hours, which is a lot wait, for any. Wait, wait, movie. wait, what? It's three hours. Uh, it's two hours and fifty six minutes. Oh no, that's too long. I haven't seen the movie yet. I, I I'm gonna watch it when it becomes available to stream. I, I, even if I absolutely love it, that's just too long. I'm sorry. But, I mean, all that being said, it was a great movie. I really enjoyed it. Um, the other thing that I'm going to bring up that is gaming-related, I started and finished the um, audiobook for the Uncharted movie. Oh, okay, cool. Um, listening to the book, it is a straight-up Uncharted game, through and through. Listening to Nolan North narrate it is great, um, I can actually picture the characters 
as they should be. And actually, I can picture Tom Holland as Nathan Drake through most of this because the way Nate is written, you can imagine him like in his early 20s doing all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and thankfully, I don't have to imagine Mark Wahlberg is Sully through this whole thing. <laughs> um, there are also plenty of nods to the games throughout the audiobook. And the one thing I do like is you can easily like pick out where uh, Nolan North's cameo is in the movie. If you haven't seen it, I, I, I'll say this. I had no desire to see the Uncharted movie after listening to the book. I want to go see it. The one thing that I will say that's not really a spoiler for the movie. Um, it might be for the book if you're going to listen to it, but I know it's a very niche thing. Um, there is a scene in the book where Nate is like dreaming after a very long, long uh, day of thieving and whatnot. But he dreams how his life was different, how he met Sully through a pickpocketing thing, how he was in the Arctic and this, that and the other. So like he dreams about the Uncharted games and his life being different, which I thought was a really cool nod to the games. In the book, is he doing different voices, or is he just using his normal Nolan North voice? No, no, he does different voices. Like, he'll do different voices for different characters. His voice for Sully, for the most part, he still just does his Nolan North voice. Um, He just adds a little bit of gruffness to it, but when he's talking as Nate, he is straight up Nathan Drake. Could you imagine if they went the extra mile and got the other voice actors from the games? Oh, that would have been great. I would have loved that. I would have started listening to it immediately if they did that. <laughs> What's cool is I have two free movie tickets um, from another time that we went to the movies. We had bought tickets to go see Halloween Kills. We bought VIP tickets. And then we went to go to the theater. And it turns out that they had sold our seats because they had problems with the issues. or, or There were system issues and they couldn't tell who had tickets, who didn't have tickets. So they gave us two free passes. And I may take one of those passes off the fridge on one of my days off and just go see the movie. Nice. But yeah, that's that'll be for my uh, that'll be my what we're playing section because when we get to the main topic, that's when I'll really dive into what I've been playing. Moving on, uh, we have our inventory. We have one, two, three, four, five, six items on the inventory. Um, first up. Fallout New Vegas 2 is reportedly in early development. Mike, I don't know about you. I couldn't get into New Vegas. Um, I know pretty much everybody in the Fallout community will say you know, New, Ve- or New Vegas was the best one out of all of them so far. I disagree. I think 3 is the best. But I know there's going to be plenty of people that are excited about this. Also, a lot of people who are probably going to be cautiously optimistic about it because of how they've handled Fallout 4 and 76. Um, But how are you feeling about the thought of a New Vegas 2? You can't see it right now, but I'm smiling and I want to high five you because I have the exact same feelings with Fallout New Vegas. I'm glad I met somebody else. I'm just like okay like what is so great about this i mean okay there's some good things about new vegas i like the new side character system i mean your companion system i mean that was all good uh the actual map though and the storylines what you're doing i i thought it sucked yeah i'm sorry Uh, not not the game i mean the story sorry no you're good it's like as soon as i made it to new vegas i'm like you know it keeps building to this moment 
I get there and it seems like the slums on Terrace and Kotor. I'm like, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Like the environment is desert. It's nothing but desert. And I know it's like, well, duh, it's in Vegas and Nevada, the Nevada desert and whatever. It's boring. I, I've seen enough sand. It's, right. I was about to quote it's Anakin rough, with the sand. It's coarse. It gets everywhere. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. I think it's a good game, but it's very overrated. I think Fallout 3 and hell, even Fallout 4 are better games. Yeah. Now, it does have very good expansions. I'll give it that. Way better than 4s, if we're going to compare the two. But yeah, that's cool. I mean, I, I, I want more Fallout. I don't care if it's Vegas 2 at this point. J- just give me another game. I think a new Vegas 2 with today's tech would go a lot better since you can put more AIs into it, uh, more polys into the environment. Like, I would love right. to see a new Vegas remake or remaster today. Then I, I might go back and give it one more shot for like the third time. Um, Actually, I want to say it'd be the fourth time at this point. I think I've tried three different times to like New Vegas. And the last time I really tried to like it. I'm like, I will grind through this as long as I have to before it starts to get good. I think I put about 15 to 20 hours into it and it never clicked for me. I was like, no, I'm not. I'm done. Part of the reasons why I love those games is the side quests. They're goofy. They're campy. Um, Sometimes they're serious. And you did have that in New Vegas, but it was like, you know, people complain about A to B games like, hey, go meet this person. A to B is a walk through the desert. There's no environments to look at. There's nothing. It's like, oh, what's that off in the distance? Because more often than not, what's off in the distance is a fucking boulder. I'm sorry, New Vegas fans. I'm really sorry. I mean, if you love the game, high five. Awesome. I, I just. I I can't, I just can't with that one. It's it's just not for me. If you're one of those that loves it so much, tell us in the comments what it was about it that you like so much and why it's your favorite Fallout. But moving on from that, um, we got some really cool stuff going on with um, Game Pass. By really cool stuff, I mainly mean Guardians of the Galaxy is coming to Game Pass on March 10th. They there's a whole list here. Now I'll read the list off. Um we have Far Changing Tides, which I've never heard of. Uh Microsoft Flight Simulator is coming to the cloud service, so if you don't have a system that can run it, now is your chance to finally get to play Microsoft Flight Simulator. I plan on doing that. Um we have Final Fantasy 13 uh Lightning Returns. Um let's see, that came out a couple days ago. Lawn Mowing Simulator will be out on March 10th. Um so by the time you're listening to this, That'll be out. Uh, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy will be out March 10th as well, and a game called Young Souls, also March 10th. And don't forget about May's releases as well. They, they, they Something got leaked for Pac-Man. There's going to be like 14 Pac-Man games in that That's right. Pac-Man collection, museum, whatever thing they're calling it. It's going to be on Game Pass Day 1, so you're going to have 14 Pac-Man games to mess around with. That's actually going to be fun. I'm actually looking forward to that. The next item on the list, um, and I think I remember I got your hot take on this, Mike. Returnal's uh, studio is working on a new IP and not a sequel to Returnal. And if I remember correctly, you were not too happy about it. Oh, I love Returnal. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> give me a sequel. Uh, but you know, if that's what they want to do, then let let them do whatever they want to do. I don't force them to make a sequel if they don't want to do it. But maybe we'll still get an expansion for the first game. At least maybe they'll give us that. You're experiencing what every Bloodborne fan has been dealing with since 2015. <laughs> yeah. Our is that our third, fourth item? Let's see. One, two, three. yeah. Okay, so fourth item, uh, Street Fighter Six got announced while we were uh, taking a break, and Ryu is wider than ever. I noticed that, you know. <laughs> Bro, like, when I saw that, I was like, he looks like the fucking Hulk for Marvel vs. Capcom 2. Yeah, he like, he is yeah. a whole fucking unit. <laughs> um, sadly, we didn't get any gameplay or anything. We just got the teaser. Like, they said, pretty much showed Ryu, and then I think it was, like, the last fighter for Street Fighter Five. Um... They are about to square off, and that's that was the announcement. I'm really curious if this is going to end up being a Sony exclusive again. I really would have thought we would have gotten this announcement at Evo, unless they're going to show us some gameplay at Evo. So yeah, we'll see. Uh, speaking of Evo, I don't I don't think we've covered this, and it's not on my list. Uh, just a personal thing I'm upset about. Apparently, Nintendo is not allowing uh, Super Smash Brothers to be played at Evo this year. Yeah, so that sucks. What's the reason? I I don't remember what the reason was. Um, let me see if I can look it up real quick. But um, they announced that Evo was going to happen. It'll be an actual event. But in their announcement saying Evo was going to happen, they actually went ahead and said, "There's by the way, there's not going to be a Smash Brothers event. So here's the quote from the actual Twitter post. We want to let you know in advance that Super Smash Brothers will not be making a return appearance. Uh, Evo's organizers wrote, Since 2007, we've seen historical Super Smash Brothers moments created Evo events. We are saddened that Nintendo has chosen not to continue that legacy with us this year. Mm, that sucks. I'm trying to see if they give a reason. Um, Nintendo hasn't always played nice with Evo. Um... It could just be moving on. They want to do something else. Yeah. Really? Since 2007? Man, that's a long time. Halo 3 came out. Let's see. <laughs> the company still hasn't revealed details when that series will be... Oh, okay, no. It says Nintendo announced it would partner with Panda Global to host its own Smash Brothers competitive circuit, though the company still hasn't revealed details of when that series will begin. Ah, uh, okay. All right. That's just so stupid. I'm so tired of Nintendo. Yeah, don't get me started. <laughs> Nintendo just, like, takes a piss on its fans, and its fans just take it like it's a fucking golden shower and just love it. And, like, why? This is... this. How is this helpful for you? What, what are you getting out of this? Like, do you enjoy getting shit on? Because that's what's happening. The brand loyalty is very strong with the Nintendo community. You know what sucks is I'm a Nintendo fan. Like, I like a lot of the products they put out, but when they do stuff like this, I'm like, I'm not going to be happy about it if that's what I'm supposed to do. I still hate them as a company, just like I have an iPhone, but I hate Apple with a burning passion. So, I, I you know what? I, I don't know. I don't know where this rant's going. So, we're going to move on. You just can't say no to Mario. That, that, that's what it comes down to. Hey, did you mean to make that rhyme? Because that was a great time. <laughs> oh, God. Please, no. <laughs> uh, moving on. 
Uh, Halo Infinite Co-op and Forge delayed again. But uh, we're at least getting two new maps for Season 3. We're getting one new BTB map and one arena map. Don't really have a whole lot to say about this. Apparently the new maps are called Breaker. That's going to be our BTB map. And the arena map is going to be called Catalyst. So only two maps. Yeah, we're also getting a new mode. King of the Hill is coming back. Um, the new season is going to be called Lone Wolves. We'll start on May 3rd. Uh, it's going to focus on the Mark 7 armor. So this past one, I, I forgot what this season was called. Something noble. I think it had to do with reach, uh, which is why we got so much reach armor. Um, okay, so here it is. Two new maps, one BTB, one arena, King of the Hill, and a couple other modes coming. New armor core. Co-op delayed, but still targeted release. Surfing season two. Forge still getting targeted season three. An apology. Uh, pretty slim after six months. Who said that? Uh, oh, that was just a reply to somebody. Yeah, so 343 still struggling to do what they've promised. And I want to say, this is another thing that Jacques posted to our inventory. Uh, Halo Infinite multiplayer lead leaves 343, so... Oof. I don't know what's going on. I, I I told this to Jacques. I I think I actually told it to him on the show, you know, before this game came out. I I told him Forge is not going to be ready. At this point, I don't know if it's going to happen. They can't get Forge ready on day one. They just can't do it. They didn't do it with Halo Four. They didn't do it mm-hmm. with Halo Five. And I'm sorry, you can't use COVID as an excuse this time. No, you can't because I, I, COVID or no COVID, that was not going to launch day one with the game i'm telling you right they don't they just don't have the urge to get forge ready on time i don't know why they always push that on the back burner but they do and it's very disappointing that we're not getting co-op right now and i think the original date or month for these modes was going to be what june or july i don't know if they came out and said that but i think that was the time frame they were shooting for now who the hell knows when this is coming yeah, um, or if it ever will. Like, I mean, you know, 343 started off earning everybody's respect because um, the, the game launched early, or at least the multiplayer did, and then they've worked their ass off for a while trying to fix things that everybody had to complain about, and now it seems like it's just slowed down to a halt, and now it just seems like everything's just... Nothing's going to be ready when they say it's going to be ready. I I... I don't know, man. It's it, it, all the glowing things that we said about it when it came out. It's it's not aging well. I was cracking the whip on it pretty hard when it came out. There, there's things I love about Halo Infinite, but the uh, I don't know. I, I just wasn't a big fan of the campaign. I, there's cool things in it, but I, I don't know. The, the, the multiplayer seems very stripped down. It, it it wasn't ready. None of the game was ready to me. Right. I think it needed another six months in the oven. It's. I wish they could get a different developer to work on Halo because I want to see 343 do something else. I really want to see them make a different game. It almost seems like they want to do that deep down and they're just not talk- saying it to everybody publicly. I want to see 343 dissolved to be perfectly honest like i mean you you've acquired so many studios that could do halo justice at the point at this point give it to somebody else because we've had three games from 343 
and they all feel like they're Halo fan projects. They none of them feel like they are official Halo games. Like they have not come close to what Bungie managed to achieve with Halo Reach. Like how how did Bungie do what they did with less budget, um, weaker technology, and still deliver stellar games? But then th- Microsoft backing their own studio three four three, and they can't fucking get it done. I don't want to say it's inexcusable. Because I'm not behind the scenes. I don't know what's going on. Right. Yeah. All I know is that people have done more with less. And I don't understand why they can't get it together. This is their third time out and they're fucking it up again. And they have to get it together soon. Very, very soon. Because I was just looking on Twitch and there was like 600 active viewers watching Halo Infinite. That is horrible. Like, that is really, really bad. When we first started doing Twitch, um, we were talking about streaming our Halo Nights. And at the time, I was like, no, we can't do that. I mean, the main reason was just my computer couldn't handle streaming it. Um, But the other thing was it was just super saturated. There was, like, tens of thousands of people watching Halo Infinite. And it was like, guys, we're never going to pick up new viewers streaming Halo Infinite. It's not going to happen. But as soon as you told me, it's like, hey, only 600 people are watching. I went and looked at it. You only have to scroll past like 10 people before you start getting to our average viewer count. And that is insane that it's dropped off that much. Yeah. For Halo. Yeah. For Halo, though. It's crazy. Like, even at its lowest point in the series, I would never have thought it would get that low the interactivity with the community and the, a lot of the community has moved on to different games. Yeah. You know, I know all of us are enjoying the multiplayer. We still have a blast. We play it at least once a week, but I'm really starting to feel the lack of content with this game. Like they, I know there's two maps coming, but I don't think that's going to be enough. But the thing is our group mainly plays BTB because we usually have like on average, we have seven people and we're still playing the same three maps over and over and over. And we're only getting one more BTB map. So I I don't know, man. It's, it's heartbreaking. It it really is. Cause I mean, I, I'm like you said, I mean, we still have a blast with it. We still love it, but it's like, this is getting, it's getting old and where we go from here. Like for our group, I don't know what other game we can jump to. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I have to think about it. It's a lot of options out there. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. No, that's, it's, it's just a damn shame. I, I really hope they can turn the ship around, but, it's not looking good right now. No, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, especially for me, like, I mean, another reason why Halo is getting old for me, I think it's been about a month and a half now, maybe more since I capped out the battle pass or battle pass. And I'm still having to wait till May 3rd to get new things to try and grind for. Like all you really have to do is just look at your challenges and go after those challenges, strategically use your double XP tokens and you can knock out the battle pass in no time. Like I didn't, I don't, I work retail. I work a full-time job. We do boundless gamers on the side and I don't play like I used to. Like I used to be like, you know, I had a day off, 
I was gaming all day, every day. That was it. Now I have responsibilities. Like now a day off is clean up the house or it's go <laughs> grocery shopping or it's go pay utility bills, whatever the fuck it is that day. I don't have days where I sit down and play for 10, 12 hours a day anymore. So the fact that I was able to clear the battle pass and the amount of time that I did just strategically going after specific challenges when I was having double XP and I've been done for a while now. It's like, what are you doing to keep me coming back? All you do is update the shop and charge me actual money to get these things that should already be here. Yeah, and I don't play the game all the time, and I'm rank 77. That's pretty high for just somebody playing it here and there. So I, I can't even imagine finishing off the battle pass like you did that soon because I would have absolutely nothing to do. Exactly. I mean, like I get on and I play because of the social aspect, but... I don't know how much longer it's going to keep me. Um, the the last topic that we have um, is probably the one that would take up the most time. And it's the topic that everybody's kind of had in the back of their minds lately. And that's what's been going on with Ukraine and yeah. how it's been affecting gaming and what each developer is doing. It, it seems like the gaming industry as a whole is unanimously cutting off russia altogether ukraine calls I, I, i've got i've just got the inventory list pulled up i didn't even type up all these stories because all i gotta do is just scroll through our inventory group chat about articles and this that and the other and you easily come across like five or six stories all saying the same thing and there's way more now there's so much more that we didn't even put in here um you have ea banning all Russian professional teams. Ukraine calls on Xbox and PlayStation to condemn uh, Russia and the block game develop or the block games going to Russia. Microsoft suspends new sales in Russia. EA and Activision Blizzard follow Microsoft in halting all sales in Russia. Like it's it's crazy. Another um, thing about Microsoft, they also said services as well. So yeah. it looks like Xbox Live is going to get taken down there real soon. Or they may have already done it. I think they already did it, because I even saw today that um, Netflix just canceled all services in Russia as well. It's getting insane. And I think I saw on the Xbox store two nights ago that Stalker 2 is now... It, it, I think it actually says delayed at this point. It doesn't even have a date. It's delayed indefinitely because Stalker 2, the game itself, like in the game world, it takes place in Ukraine and the developer is in Ukraine. Right. So we, we don't know what's going on with them. Are they safe? Did they get out? Because there's already right. over 1.5 million people that evacuated. We, we don't know. So Microsoft, uh, they had to do that. Like they got to delay the game. Like it's... Anybody yeah. who says, oh, why is it delay? Like, like, just go away because this have is a fucking heart way more important shit going on. And I'm very happy that Microsoft did that. Like, they're like, no, oh, yeah. we're cutting all this. We're not putting doing anything over there. Now, I understand that it, it hurts the the Russian citizens that have absolutely nothing to do with this. The normal everyday ones like they can't play their, right. this. They can't do that. They're really suffering from all of these sanctions that are going on. But you do have to realize that what russia's government is doing right now is well they're doing 
war crimes over there. Yeah. It just came out. They've, they've been hitting hospitals and all this other shit. And, and they're actually shooting at civilians that are evacuating now. That, that has come out. The sanctions are necessary because we other countries can't get involved with their militaries. They, 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 the sanctions stops their income that, that they put towards uh, military. And I know it's going to hurt the Russian citizens, but the only thing they can really do is, well, you don't want to see this stuff happen, but sometimes it has to happen. Revolution. I mean, they got to take back their own country. Yeah. I mean, so Russia's got to change Russia. And I, I almost feel like that's the strategy that's being played here. Like you, you're cutting off the entire population from everything that they're accustomed to. And I mean, I think I saw recently that, Putin did a press conference and you look at it and you can tell he's using a green screen. Like yep. he doesn't actually have anybody standing next to him. So he's, he's feeling it. Um, and you can kind of tell how the tone has changed from there. Like when we were leading up to this, how he seemed like he was very confident. It's like, we're not going to do anything. We're not going to do anything. And now you can tell like the way he's talking that he feels like he's backed into a corner and he did it to himself. And I know some of you that are listening to this, you're like, oh, come on, this is a video game podcast. But no, this is affecting everything. Like, yeah. Everything across industries, corporations, uh, other countries, with the, the, the trading of uh, resources. It, it's touching everything. So it's impossible for us not to bring this up on the show. And I do think Sony, Nintendo, and a bunch of others are going to say, do something. Ve- they're going to do something very soon. I yeah. think Sony's going to cut their services as well. They already quietly removed Gran Turismo 7 off the marketplace there. They didn't advertise them doing that, but they just, people noticed they removed it. So they're yeah. getting ready to shut their shit down as well, probably. And, so. you know, I've noticed that, like, there have been a few different countries or companies that are quiet about it at first. And then it just eventually they're like, no, we we can't abide this anymore and then they announce like no we're not doing this it's oh god I don't, I don't, it's 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 so see i'm like speechless yeah i mean it's it's despicable it's horrible it's watching the news and seeing what a, that country is doing to ukraine I, I'm, I'm sorry i should say what the gov their government is doing is that their citizens are not happy about it no, at all. There, there, there's been already thousands of protesters who got arrested that don't want the war. <sighs> yeah, I mean, Putin is definitely starting to show his true colors, and it's it's just. So yeah, the gaming industry they have they have to unite, and just like all these other companies, they they, they gotta stop yeah. the money going in there. I don't want the the Russian citizens to be in hard times that are innocent and all that, but something's got to be done. And that's the only thing the rest of the world can do right now. They always say, you know, you can't forget about history or you're doomed to repeat it. And we, we aren't even in a world war yet. Hopefully we'd never get there, Yeah. but to be in, to be watching all of this happen in our generation I feel like I just I get a taste of what my grandparents must have gone through with World War Two, just watching these things happen and to find out like things that Germany did. It's it's something that you would really think that just just watching the destruction that I've seen 
imagining what it was like with World War II. We had multiple countries and just the massive amounts of loss of life. I don't understand how we could forget this stuff so quickly. I don't know if it's just a case of your generation has to experience it in order to understand just how horrible it was. Like our generation romanticizes World War II. It's in fucking tons of video games. Oh, yeah. Everybody enjoys playing them, but nobody ever takes a step back. And it's like when you're watching Save It Private Ryan, when they're on the beach and you're watching that happen, you're like, oh my God, this is horrible. But it's a movie, so you can disassociate a bit. But when you go online and this shit's not a movie, this is actually happening, and you see like an SU-27 drop rockets on a fucking town, then you hear a kid screaming, it breaks your fucking heart. Yeah, I, I, I really hope it ends soon, but because of what Russia's doing, even if this does end, I think the entire world's going to shut them out for a long time. The way Microsoft worded their... Uh, press release it sounds like they're not gonna put their ship back there anytime soon in the no. far foreseeable future it's not yeah i think the only way that that happens is if like you were saying there is a revolution and the people do overthrow the government and just completely redo everything one thing that i can see coming from all this though i can definitely see an ace combat mission inspired by the ghost of key if that's going to happen Oh, yeah. Yeah, at some point in the future, I can see that. But yeah, our hearts go out to everybody that's um, in Ukraine. We we really hope everything comes to an end soon. Um, I can't imagine what they're all going through. Stalker 2 has to get canceled? That's fine. I'm okay with it. All of us understand. If, if, if something happens where they, they lost a lot of the game or whatever, it's fine. It's just a video game. It's okay. So, um, moving on to the topic of our show, uh, Elden Ring's here. Yay! <laughs> We're going to chat about that for a little bit. <laughs> I know you're excited <laughs> to talk about this. Um, you could say that this is Indy's What We're Playing section, because this really is all I've been playing. But before I get into Elden Ring... Um, Mike, I know you've been going through Bloodborne, which I'm ecstatic about. Bloodborne is my favorite game of all time. I know this is your like true first taste of FromSoft games, so I kind of want to hear your take on what you're playing right now versus what you've seen, because um, I know you've been watching me on stream. You've been playing Bloodborne, so you kind of have a direct comparison. So I'm curious what your thoughts are. Well, this isn't the first time I've played one of these games. Like, I've kind of dabbled in Bloodborne back in 2015 uh, when it came out. Just briefly. Well, actually, it was 2016 I, I played it. It was, like, early in the year. But, yeah, it's been a while. Uh, I've touched The Surge. I know they didn't make that game, but it's similar. Uh, What's the one they did with Activision? What's the name of that game? The Japanese uh, one. Sekiro? Yes, I, I played a little of that. I am going to go back to that game because I, I do want to check that out. But right now I am going through Bloodborne. I just beat the fourth boss. It, it's the, uh, the the cloaking witch. I don't know her name. Um, I know where you are. Um, it's the... 
It's Harmwick. Is it Harmwick Chill Lane? Is that what it's called? Something like that. Yeah. Well, I, I'm past that now, and I'm in the uh, Forbidden Woods. I think that's what it's called. Hemwick Charnel Lane. That's what it is. Um, you have to go. I thought you had to go through Forbidden Woods to get there. Yeah, you go through Forbidden Woods to get to Hemwick Charnel Lane. You beat the witch, and the, did you beat the witch yet? Yeah, I beat her. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, then you beat the witch. You find the hunter at the back of the um at the back of the thing, and then you get an item from him. Yeah, and then you go down to that like that uh door that needs a password and Yes. That yeah, that's where I am right now. I passed that door. I'm really liking this game. And once again, I have to stress I'm not into fantasy games at all. But I'm really trying to open up my um my view on uh these kind of genres. I need to play more fantasy games. Maybe I can get into them. Maybe I'm just not playing the right ones, or maybe I'm playing them mm. at the wrong time. I I don't know, but I'm gonna really try and play more of these kind of games. So that being said, one of your favorite sayings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great. I love the combat. Uh, it's, it's very hard, but it's not unforgiving hard. Like, right? I've played through sections for like almost two hours, and I didn't die. So I'm not having a brutal time with it. Some of the bosses are a little challenging. One of them I did call somebody to help me. I rang the bell. Somebody showed up and we took, uh, took the thing down. I think it was the, the, uh, which one was it? The, the, the wolf, the white wolf looking chick, uh, Vicar Amelia. Yeah. Cause my guy wasn't really ready for that quite yet. I had to kind of level him up just a little bit more. Right. But then I realized I had the bell and I was like, all right, let me just get somebody here. He can distract them, and I'll just take my big, gigantic, long battle axe and set it on fire and swing away at it. Yep. I was about to say, if anybody's fighting her and you want to tip, uh, fire damage, uh, use your oil urns, use your molotovs, Mm -hmm. and go for her right arm because it hangs close to the ground, and you can actually break it. It'll stagger her, and you can do a fuck ton of damage. You're welcome. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're... Go ahead. I was going to say, I'm glad you're liking it because, I mean... I've successfully gotten Jacques to start it. He's loving it. I got you to start it. You're loving it. I will pull the whole world into Bloodborne. Um, there's actually an event that happens. I forget what time of the year, but there's a annual event in the community called Return to Yarnum. Um, and it seems like it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger, bigger, but it's when the whole Bloodborne community kind of comes back to play. And then you start seeing a lot more phantoms running around the world you get a lot more invasions like the player count goes through the damn roof um when this event starts and it's it's always a lot of fun it's probably why i play it every year so how's elden ring uh, so i was about to say so talking about um bloodborne and going into fromsoft um i've played i've played every single one since dark souls so i've played dark souls one two three i've played sekiro um, and now I'm into Elden Ring. So you're a hardcore veteran with this uh, shit. Yes, I haven't beat all of them though. Um, I beat the first Dark Souls. Um, I did not beat Dark Souls two. Um, there was a part in there where it's just uh, Dark Souls two is unnecessary, unnecessarily hard in some parts. Um, Dark Souls three, I want to say there was some big life moment that happened when I was in the middle of it and I just, 
I lost momentum and didn't get back into it. Sekiro, I know there was a big life moment that changed because we moved out of my dad's house and moved into our current house. Um, and by the time I got everything unpacked, there was other games that were out, just didn't finish it. But Elden Ring... <laughs> you love it. Uh, yeah, I think I have 20 hours in it so far, which, I mean, obviously doesn't sound like much. But like I was saying earlier, I don't have time to sit down and play games like I used to. So for the for me to have 20 hours in a game that came out not that long ago, or like a week ago, is a big, big deal. Um, typically, when a game's been out for a week, I might have 10 hours in it. Because typically, my game sessions nowadays last for about two hours it, or at the most three hours and then I'm done. If it's a single player game, a lot of times you can cut that in half to an hour and a half. And then it's like time to cook dinner or it's time to go to bed or somebody wants to play a multiplayer game. So for me to have 20 hours is huge. Um, I have three different characters going, um, because I, I bought it twice. I bought it once on Xbox, uh, for the stream because at the time my computer couldn't handle it. Um, so I've been streaming on my Xbox series S also because that's where I'm going to get the highest uh, resolution and frame rate, and I can play it on the living room TV, so that's where it looks best for me. I've got a strength build going on Xbox. That's the one you guys have been watching me play on stream. I also have a samurai class on Xbox, which I'm probably just going to erase at this point because I have the exact same character going on PlayStation, which is kind of my co-op character because I have two buddies that I've been co-oping Bloodborne with, kind of walking them through it. One of them likes it, but he just he's, he struggles with it, so he said he needed somebody to help him. Um, and then another buddy who had never played from soft until Bloodborne. So the three of us just went through Bloodborne, and I've been kind of... <laughs> I basically take the role of, like, Hi, I'm your Bloodborne guide. Follow me, and I'll, if you look to your right, you'll see a Bloodstar beast, and he will kick your ass. Uh, <laughs> um, so, Elden Ring... God, I I can't say enough nice things about it. Typically, when a game is as big as this one is, I'm instantly overwhelmed, and it's kind of a turnoff. So I'm like, I will never find everything in every area. Even if I try my damnedest, I don't think I'll find everything. Um, which, for me, at this point, is a challenge, because I platinum Bloodborne. I found everything there was to find in that game, except for the DLC. I'm still working on that, because the final boss is a bitch oh man how to describe this game it is so damn huge because i had a moment recently off stream where i got teleported to another part of the map uh keep in mind when i was first looking at it i had black borders on four sides i'm like okay this is the map it's mm. it's not as big as i thought it's not as big as everybody was saying it is but there's still a lot to it i can see there's plenty for me to find maybe if i were to beeline it through the main quest i could beat it in like 25 hours or so when I found this chest and it teleported me to an area I had no business being in, it took me so far north, the map tripled in size. <laughs> and all I could do was like, holy shit. And just today, an area that I thought I had found everything there was to find in, or at least I found all the routes, I, I found another route that took me somewhere I'd never seen, and it opened up to something huge. It feels endless. I know whenever an open world game comes out, you know, and I've told you this and you told me to stop saying it, but I'm going to say it again. 
Um, everybody compares every open world game that comes out now to Breath of the Wild like an open world game is something new. Like, we've never had this before. <laughs> this is probably the first game to come out since Breath of the Wild that I actually feel comfortable comparing it to Breath of the Wild because one of the cool things about that game was if you stood on top of a cliff and you looked at the horizon and you saw a mountain, you could go to that mountain, you can climb it. Elden Ring is the exact same way, um, from what I can tell. Like, there's no area you can't go to. That's awesome. I love it when games do that. All right, you know what? We'll, we'll give that nice perk to uh, Breath of the Wild. I know we shit on that a lot, but <laughs> that is a nice thing you can do in that game. So, do you think it's one of the best games of all time. I got to ask that because that, that it, it is the, one of the highest Metacritic games of all time. Like it, it's it up is. there. Like it's like top what's five or something, which is crazy. I will say it is one of those. I don't want to say a term once in a lifetime games, but I'll definitely say once in a generation games. Um, okay. Okay. The, the sheer size and scope of this world it's it is overwhelming um this is a game that it's very much so don't focus on getting to the end um another cliche you hear a lot is you know focus on the journey not the destination this is one of those games that i think that everybody should kind of take that to heart because there's so much to see and do so many enemies to encounter so many weapons to find um, seems like anytime I go on TikTok now, my entire fucking feed is Elden Ring. And for the most part, I try and skip them because there's so many surprise mechanics. Um, no pun intended to our show, but, uh, things that pop up out of nowhere that I don't want spoiled. Like I've seen people walking through a field, which looks like an area that I'm in or I've seen. And a dragon comes out of fucking nowhere and it turns into a boss fight. I'm like, well, I'm pretty sure I'm in that area and I have not fought a dragon. So I don't want to miss out on that. Oh, my God, I'm about to die moment. Funny thing is, right before the show, I did have one of those moments. I was exploring a mine and I was looking for things to upgrade weapons. And I was reading the signs on the ground. People were saying, um like fear ahead um nothing but woe ahead and like man what the fuck is going on because no matter how punishing these games are when you've played them for so long and you've beaten other games you can't help but be cocky so i walked in and was like it can't be that bad it's probably some of these other enemies that i've beaten the shit out of it's just there's probably a lot of them so i just got to be strategic of how i do it no a fucking dragon showed up and then I took inventory and realized I only had one healing flask and it was bad. I lost all my um all my runes. It was horrible. Yeah, kiss your ass goodbye moment. It, yeah, exactly. So the feelings you're describing in this, would you compare them to the feelings you had in Fallout 3 when you first experienced that world and wanted and, and you wanted to push yourself to see what was next and what was the next area and what's around this corner? Does it give you that same sense of adventure? That's probably the best way I can describe it. I've been trying to compare it to something else other than Breath of the Wild 
but that is a dead-on comparison. Because when you get turned loose into the Wasteland in Fallout 3, and you look at the map, and you just see all the things you can do, realize there's all these cool characters, all these cool factions, you're like, I want to see what's what else this world has to offer. Elden Ring is scratching all of those itches. It is amazing. Uh, yeah, I just have a hard time wrapping my head around the idea of that being one of the the best of the best, but I haven't played it, and I'm really liking Bloodborne, so who knows, maybe when I do get around to playing it, I'll have the same feelings you're, you're spreading right now with, with everybody, because you're telling the world how great this game is, and I'm not experienced with these kind of games, like, they're not my cup of tea, usually, so if I give it a chance... Maybe I'll feel the same way. Who knows? Yeah, I just realized I never really answered your original question because you asked if I thought this was one of the greatest games of all time. Um, This will probably be my third time answering that particular question. The way I word it is that for those who like these types of games, yes, it is. It is um, a much more punishing version of Skyrim in the sense that Skyrim's world is so huge, there's so many things you can do. Elden Ring has that as well. Maybe not so much in, like, dialogue and quests and things like that, but just in sheer scope and things you can do. Because the way that FromSoft delivers their lore, a lot of the lore and the story is hidden in the details that almost nobody ever checks, like item descriptions, things like that. Um, There's... Uh, there's a guy I watch on YouTube um, called Vadi. Uh, I, I know it's Vadi something, but he's been my source for lore that I've been trying to find um, in all of the Souls game. He's actually how I learned most of my stuff on Bloodborne. I'm going to look up his actual channel real quick just so I can point people in the right direction. Because I know there's plenty of people who are playing these games and probably are lost. Um, I think that's one thing they can really improve on whenever they make the next from software game. Give us a really good story that has more cutscenes, characters with a decent amount of dialogue, you know, all that good shit. The stuff that we love in our other single player narrative driven games, put that in one of these games. And then you may have something really, really special. The only thing with that, I mean, yes, that's something that they could do, but I think part of their, just like with how difficult their games are, part of their brand, if you say, or, or a way of putting it is their brand, um, is that's just kind of their style. They hide the story and all these different details. The guy's name is Vati Vidya, by the way. Um, obviously, he doesn't have a whole lot of videos up yet. Um, the game just came out, so he's still having to dive into the lore. And there's so much lore to find. Um like, I've noticed that there's a, a particular enemy who focuses on a great sword, and when you read enemy, or descriptions for different great swords, it talks about the struggles that this character has had. I will say, lore is easier to find in this game because you do go to, like, their hub world, which is the round table hold, and as you get deeper into the game, new rooms open up in this area, and the NPCs in this place have different dialogue the further you go and one of them is considered like his title is the all-knowing 
and he will give you the rundown on all these different backstories and all these main bosses and kind of the land and everything. So that's something that has been missing, kind of like what you were saying. I mean, there's no like linear, like here's a cutscene that explains everything. It's still kind of cryptic, um, and you still have to do some digging. But if you just need like a, hey, just give me the spark notes, tell me who this is, tell me why he's bad, he will deliver exposition at a basic amount, like so like you know what is going on. I'm glad there's people out there who do that shit because I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's gotta fall on the sword and take one for the team and provide all of this useful information, you know, to the community. It's funny, he's got one video up of his gameplay, um, and he even mentioned, he's like, you know, I've seen so many people that have already beaten it, that have rushed through it, and he feels like he's missing out, like he really wants to just kind of run through it and just experience everything, so that way he can be with everybody else as far as where they're at, but that's not how he plays this game, and his whole channel's content is finding lore, so he's having to savor it and take his time with it and actually dive into it. And I love it because his playthrough, his first video on the game is about a little over a half hour long, but the whole time, it he's not talking and playing at the same time. You can tell he's recorded it, and he's narrating it as he's playing, explaining the lore as he's going and what these different locations are, what the backstories are, um, and it just makes the game even richer, which I love because... Since the games come out, when I go to work, all I want to do is just get off work, come home, play Elden Ring. When I'm traveling to work, I get to listen to his videos on the lore, and it kind of like fills that gap of when I come back home and I'm going back through it, I know a bit more about what I'm doing. It's funny you say, oh, I'm, I, that's always on my mind and I'm constantly thinking about it. It's funny, when I was playing um, Cyberpunk, Bloodborne was in the back of my mind. <laughs> I'm like, hmm, do I want to go back and play the instead of experiencing 50 million glitches? <laughs> right. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's definitely uh, scratching on my brain. Like, it's like I, I may even go play a little of it before I go to sleep tonight. Oh, I'm definitely playing Elden Ring when I go to bed. So, you may have uh, stirred something up in me, Indy. I, I don't know. This may take me places. Maybe I'll beat Bloodborne and then I'll be like, you know what? Let's check out Dark Souls. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, speaking of games that are these games, um, as far as which games are, I would say, most accessible to new players, um, if you are brand new to these types of games, there are three games that I would recommend. The first one is Bloodborne, just personal bias. Um, but Bloodborne also might... The theme of it might be more appealing, like, for example, for people like you who don't really care for fantasy that much. Um, there is fantasy there, but it's also more so like London Industrial Revolution um, kind of setting. Like think um, Van Helsing, like the yes. Hugh Jackman movie. And that's the aesthetic you can expect from Bloodborne. Yeah, it makes a little Castlevania in there. Yeah, exactly. The other one would be Dark Souls 3. If you're brand new, I would actually recommend playing Dark Souls 3 first because they perfected that formula for that game. Um, I mean, you're more than welcome to try any one that you want, but if you want something that's beginner-friendly, Dark Souls 3 may be the way to go. Um, but the number one game that is most accessible to new players is going to be Elden Ring, and the reason being is that it's non-linear approach to bosses and lands and everything like that is 
incredibly forgiving. Um, an example of that, when you first get into the open world, there's uh, the first enemy you see is a guy riding on horseback in the middle of a field. And when you run up to him, uh, the whole score starts playing and you see a large health bar at the bottom of your screen and you realize, oh, fuck, this is a boss fight. You're welcome to get your ass kicked if you want. I don't recommend doing that right out of the gate. But in any other Souls game, like you have to beat that boss before they let you move on. But with this one, you can simply run away and he'll go back to his area that he's supposed to be programmed to stay in. It gives you more options. You're not forced to just fight a certain boss or enemy type. Exactly. You have to go down this way. It's the only way to get to the other side to where you really got to go. With Elden Ring, you can just be like, you know what? I'm going to explore over there for a while, level up my guy, and then come back and deal with that horseback rider. Exactly. You don't have to grind the same route. 10 times leveling up before you can go fight that one boss you've been struggling with. You can go find a whole other area if you wanted to. Um, I almost feel like Elden Ring, another way that, <laughs> another way it's compared to Breath of the Wild, if you want to, in Breath of the Wild, you can go fight Ganon at the very beginning if you find yourself so compelled to do so. You don't have to go do everything that would help it make it easier. With Elden Ring, you can go fight any boss you want right out of the gate. Just just go. But recommend not doing that because there are some levels or some areas that you are going to struggle with. And you'll find out real fucking quick if you are not powered up enough for this particular area. It happened to me. I got teleported to an area that was way outside my level. And I knew it because I went to go swing my axe at a guy and my axe bounced off and the guy didn't flinch. I'm like, I am fucked (laughs) (laughs) to help people understand the situation if you're a fallout player let's let's say fallout 3 we keep mentioning fallout in the show (laughs) let's say you start the game and you decide to go way way north way north in the top right corner of the map if you somehow manage to get that far and you see death claws oh god run (laughs) because if they touch you you're done like immediately. So that that's what I would compare it to, just to help you guys understand what we're talking about. Yes. The last two things that I'll say about the game um, is I have actually found a lot of joy in talking to friends who are currently playing it. Um, like the, the community 2Ps on Twitch who have become friends with us... Um, they're going through Elden Ring, and some people in their community are going through Elden Ring. So I've been in their Discord, and we're just chatting about the game, like, oh man, I saw this, or I, I finally beat this guy. And it just it's moments that I feel like are really rare in video games. Like, not to make it seem childish, but it's like, imagine being a kid on the playground, and you... you playing your Super Nintendo and like let's say you're playing Turtles in Time and you're like oh man I finally beat uh, Shredder in the um, the Technodome and you're like oh my god how'd you do that you're having those exact same conversations like what strategies did you use what items did you use because there's no one way to do things so those conversations are a lot of fun to have um, and then if you have friends who are on Twitch just popping into each other's stream cheering each other on like you've got this just one more try Hey, this is what you need to change. This is what you're doing wrong. 
it's really great. I, I love these things. Like when Jacques started streaming Bloodborne, I loved being able to watch him play and just kind of coach him like, hey, you're you're doing great. Um, this guy's particularly weak to this, try this, and just, you know, you really get invested, like you're rooting for your team, like you've got this, keep going, which you don't get out of any other games. It's rare. Yeah, you don't see that that often. And the last thing I'll say is really quick. Um, I really wish Primo was still in business because I want a fucking strategy guide for this thing. <laughs> oh, man, I miss them. I have the Knights of the Old Republic strategy guides. Oh, I love I love I love those guides. They came with cool posters, too, from time to time. And now I can't imagine what the strategy guide would look like for this. I'd imagine it'd be like a small encyclopedia set because the game is so fucking huge. But I actually went online to look for a strategy guide, but nobody has one out. There's like three versions of it on Amazon, and they're like maybe as thick as my index finger, and they all have one-star reviews or two-star reviews, and the pictures are in black and white, the print's extremely tiny, and you can tell there's like, this is somebody's cash grab, like, hey, I'm going to give you some hints about how to be good. And that's where it stops. They don't tell you where anything is. They don't give you like these really detailed maps and cool art about the bosses saying this particular boss is how you beat him. I have not wanted a strategy guide since Prima went out of business other than like a Bloodborne strategy guide, but things that are collector's items that they've already released. There hasn't been a new game that came out. Maybe I wanted one uh, for Cyberpunk when it came out. Um, But then I started playing Cyberpunk and I was like, no, never mind. I'm good. (laughs) <laughs> but Elden Ring, I really, really, really want a strategy guide. I think there's only one company left that still actually makes them. Um, I want to say they're called Future Press. Um, they just announced they're going to release one for Elden, or not Elden Ring, uh, Horizon Forbidden West. Oh, okay. So, That's cool. But if they're having to release their strategy guides, yeah, it's called Future Press. They're on Twitter. Um, if they're having to announce that they're about to release one Forbidden West post-launch, I can't imagine how long it'll be before we get one for Elden Ring. But um, those are the thoughts that I can get out of my head um, just kind of flying through it. Um, I will say this. I did ask um, Haley from Two Peas um, the other night while she was streaming it what her thoughts on it were um, to her... It reminds her a lot of Sekiro, um, as far as how it feels, like the environments and everything. But she had a lot of nice things to say about it, too. We kind of echoed each other's thoughts as far as it being the most welcoming to new players. Um, The more and more people I talk to about it, that kind of is turning into the consensus. But I know we're streaming it. Two Ps is streaming it. There's another person that's in the two-piece community called Just Eccentric. She's streaming it as well. She's actually only like two followers away from getting affiliate. So if you guys can go follow her, that'd be great. But yeah, it's it's been really cool to meet other streamers that are going through it and just talking about it. So that's what I have to say about it. Mike, is there anything you'd like to add? No, not really. I think we pretty much covered everything. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you play more of this game. Because I will watch those streams if I'm not editing, of course. Cool. cool. If I'm editing, then probably not. But yeah, I'm happy you're enjoying the game, and uh, maybe we'll get some really cool DLC. God, I can't even imagine needing DLC with how big it is. But yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> the aliens—they're gonna have the alien, the uh, xenomorph, um, 
expansion is going to come out. Just you're gonna you're gonna see a, a random Xeno egg just in the middle of the map. I would actually. Oh wow, excuse me. Sorry, I'm having some uh, heartburn. So I'm having some burping issues. I would love to see a Xenomorph in a FromSoft game. I can imagine that that would go. <laughs> I will add one more thing. This is just something that I happened to see before we started recording. Um, and it's Bloodborne related. There's a Bloodborne Easter egg inside Elden Ring. I think it's called like Cape of Raptors or something like that. But there's a character in Bloodborne called Eileen the Crow, and she's one of my favorite characters. And she has my favorite weapons from Bloodborne called the Blades of Mercy, which is like two daggers. You, it's basically you can find her cape in the game, and it comes with two daggers that look just like the Blades of Mercy. That's awesome. Uh, it's funny that you brought her up because I found her. And I didn't realize she was going to be a friendly, so I immediately attacked her. Oh, no. Yeah, and now she's aggressive. I did take her out, though. So I got her stuff. I heard there's, like, a really cool mission you can do with her, and I was like, yeah, that sucks. There's um, two boss fights that come with her if you finish out her quest line. I didn't know. Like, 98% of the things in that game attack you. You know what? That's fair. And it looks like an enemy from a distance. It really does. You know, does. it's it's so funny that it happened to you, because I remember when Bloodborne first came out, I watched the Game Grumps play it, and when they first met her, um, Aaron had played it off stream, and he was talking to uh, Dan, and he walks up to Eileen, he's like, all right, now this chick is really hard, and Dan's like, well, is she friendly? Like, no, nobody's friendly in this game. Like, you just have to attack her on site, and he's like, just go up there and try and talk to her. And then he walks up and he starts having conversations like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So you're not alone. I think there's a few people that have probably attacked Eileen on site just because of how hostile that world is. But yeah, um, that was our uh, that was our topic. Hope everybody enjoyed that. Now we're going to move on to our surprise mechanics. And Mike, I'm going to let you go first. Okay. Uh, do you want to mention what Surprise Mechanics is for oh, the new listeners? Oh, my apologies. Surprise Mechanics is when um, we both bring just a random thing to the show. It could be a game, could be a story, um, it could be a debate. Um, but we just go back and forth, like, talking about, like, I could go to Mike and be like, hey, you know, what's better, um, oatmeal or um, a hash brown bowl? And we'll just debate. Or it could be video game 20 questions. It could be, hey, here's a create a story on the fly. Give me a pitch for a new Star Wars movie. Um, We never know what the other one has brought to the table. uh, Hence the term surprise mechanic. With all of that, this is Mike's surprise mechanic. It's funny you mentioned Star Wars. It's like we always got to bring Star Wars into the show. At some it's point. always with me and you. I've noticed that. Like Jacques rarely brings Star Wars up. Ash definitely doesn't bring Star Wars up. But you get me and you on the table, and it's like, all right, let's 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 Star Wars this bitch up. So I know we're running a little low on time, but I, I really want to do this surprise mechanic. So I'll, we'll try to get through it quickly. But I'm going to give you a Star Wars hypothetical situation. Okay. The scene in Revenge of the Sith. The Jedi Temple attack. Anakin goes into the room with all the younglings. And, you know, the little kid says, Master Skywalker, there's too many of them. What are we going to do? Now, 
let's throw something into the mix here. Which dark side users? Sith, dark Jedi, or just regular dark side users? Just ones who worship the dark side or they use it for whatever reason. Right. Which one of them do you think would have protected the younglings if they were in that room? Like, if they were in that room when Anakin walked in or they were in the area and they saw what was going on, which one in the entire Star Wars lore, it could be the, the, the lore, the, the the expanded universe, the canon, the not canon, all that stuff. Who do you think? Well, you could pick more than one, but who do you think would actually stand in front of those kids and say, like, no, this isn't happening right now? Count Dooku all the way. You think it's him? Yes, because he was a former Jedi. Um, okay. The only reason he left was because he felt that the Jedi had become corrupt. Um, he felt like they had become um, soldiers as opposed to um, peacekeepers, or they had strayed too far from their ideals and were like sitting on high. Um, and that's why he fell in with Sidious, because he felt like they needed to reshape things. Um, it was never about like, you know, taking out all the Jedi, which is why he actually tried to get Obi-Wan to help him on Geonosis. He wasn't necessarily trying to right. like take over the galaxy or whatever. He was actually trying to build a better version of it. Um, mm. So he was, even though he used the dark side, it was a tool. It wasn't a way of life. So you take Anakin going after kids. I think that's where Dooku's like, all right, this is crossing a line. I know there's characters out there who would be like, ah, just go ahead, have fun. <laughs> Maul would, would would be like, hey, can I do it? Can I do it for you? <laughs> right. But, you know, I was really thinking about that. And I'm like, huh, like who would intervene? And the first person to come to my head, at least, popped in there like immediately because of her belief system from one of my favorite uh, stories of all time. And it's Knights of Republic 2. Do you know who I'm talking about? I'm trying to think. Uh, he's about um, Kreia? Yeah, Darth Treya. Kreia or okay. Darth Treya. Whichever version of her, I think all versions would probably stand in front of the kids because she used to train young ones at the Jedi Academy. You're right. The reason why she left, well, she didn't leave. She got exiled. Like The, the Jedi Order kicked her out. They blamed her for Revan and all of them going to war. And she became a Sith Lord. And they basically kicked her out in a way i won't get into it as well <laughs> even during her hardcore sith days her belief system all revolves around hating the force she hates the force she hates how she thinks the force is this evil presence that tries to yeah. manipulate everything and it, it causes so much grief and violence across the galaxy she's trying to figure out a way to numb it so nobody can feel it and it can not manipulate anybody anymore yeah it's like the belief that absolute power corrupts absolutely right. kind of thing so she hates excessive violence so if she saw that going on she would immediately step in front of them and protect the kids that's just her way she doesn't like the jedi she hates what they did to them but she doesn't want to see mass murdering She's actually probably one of the nicer Sith Lords, to be honest. <laughs> I would say so. I mean, she spends that entire game retraining you. So yeah, I, I, 
I agree with that. I think it was actually a really good answer. No, yeah, I mean, of course there's Revan. I'm not going to pick Revan, but that's a whole other thing. I don't think he's really a Sith. He kind of is. He isn't. I left that off the table. But yeah, it's it's funny with her because she has the ability to stop people from dying, and that's what Anakin wants. She has that ability, if you remember yeah. in the game, where you see uh, Han Har or some other character. I can't remember her name. They're basically dead, and she like puts her hand over them. It's like, your time's not now, rise. Like She has that ability. And this came out before Revenge of the Sith, so... Yes. They didn't copy it from the movie. Papeltine mentions it with his master. So Anakin would definitely want that power. I have a feeling she would walk into the room and yell, like, that's enough. And then she'd see the little youngling that he struck down, like the first one, and she'd probably resurrect him, basically. And then she'd probably tell Anakin, I, I don't care about the other Jedi that's in this temple. They've, they've made their beds. Like, I don't care, but you're not harming them. Like, I'm, they're right. going with me. And don't step in my way. Yeah, I could see that to where, like, she, like, agrees, like, hey, you know, the Order has become a shell of its former self. It's corrupt. Um, but this generation is going to be different, and you're not getting in my way. Right. Yeah. I can actually see her pull all the lightsabers out of the kids' hands and turn them all on floating around her because she, oh, she has that that'd ability. Be awesome. This would be a really cool fight. I kind of want to see it. But yeah, that's my surprise mechanic. Something different. Conversation that actually has not happened. I looked all over the internet. I couldn't find a conversation like this about what if a dark side user was in that situation in front of Anakin? What would they do? No, it's a really good twist on it. But anyways, what's your surprise mechanic? Well, for mine, um, I didn't have one this entire show, so I've been trying to think of one on the fly, and I've been stumbling. Um, I was originally going to um, keep my Uncharted story till the very end, but I was like, you know what? No, I'm going to go ahead and talk about that along with Batman, because I feel like it fits. Um, So I literally just came up with this one, kind of a bouncing off of yours, and that is... When the Book of Boba Fett came out, you and I noticed a new addition to the flashing helmets and everything in the credits, or opening credits. Right. And we're both pretty sure that that's Revan's mask at the very end. So, my question to you is, if they were to go on to make a Revan show or movie how would you react? Like you see it's, let's just pretend that it's um, May the 4th or it's star Wars celebration. And Kathleen Kennedy is up on stage talking about the future. And they do the whole like E3 is that like, we have one more surprise for you. We don't have anything to show you at show you yet, but we have a logo or we have like a small teaser and then they, she turns around and you see coming soon to Disney plus and you hear some KOTOR music and you see like a Star Wars story, the legacy of Revan. What is your initial reaction? I'd freak out and I'd be very excited. And then like an hour later, I'd be like, oh, <laughs> this might not be good. Uh those helmets they show in the beginning of the Boba Fett show. I'm starting to think it's not Revan. I think it's Boba Fett's uh, second in command. I don't know her name. Oh, Finnick. 
Yeah, because if you close her helmet down, it does kind of create that visor look. And I know it's a little bit more open, but I think that's what it's supposed to be. Or maybe they're screwing with us. And they do have Revan coming, and they're like, but we have a character that kind of looks like that with the helmet. Let's kind of tweak it a little bit. Because it does look a little bit more like Revan's. And when I, yeah, I went back does. and watched the show, and I'm looking at her um, helmet, I'm like, it kind of has the shape. But not really. The, the one they have in the boot up screen is kind of different. It's kind of slender. Like it's like I have the 3D print that um, I sent you that I've painted, and it's sitting above my computer. I'm looking at it. I'm like, that mask definitely comes to an angle, and it seems like when I was looking at it in in the opening scroll that that mask kind of did the same thing. I mean, it could just be how the light was hitting it, but it definitely resembled Revan's mask, just minus the details on the mask itself. I think it's safe to say that Revan something is coming because yes. he is one of the most lucrative Star Wars characters in, in merchandise right now. Every time they put something Revan related out, sold out immediately, you can't get it. Right. No other character has that power, at least in the toy world or the lightsabers that you can buy. Yes. He has it. And he's not from the movies. Well, he's actually canon now because he was in the, uh, he was name dropped in the, was it Rise of Skywalker? Yeah, it was the visual guide. Um, The red stormtroopers were the Revan Legion is what I think it was. He's coming. He's, he's, and he's going to be, but by the way, he is going to be canon along with the rest of Knights of the Republic when that game comes out, the remake, because it's yes. under the Lucas Games banner. And they said anything under Lucas Games banner is canon. So KOTOR officially will be canon probably next year, like 100%, which means a bunch of new merchandise. I, I can't wait because I want more. <laughs> Yeah, because I mean, like, you know, I, I say I have my 3D print of Revan above my uh, my computer desk because I have a four-tiered shelf that I got from an old-time pottery, um, which is a chain of stores down here. But above that shelf, um, I've started, like, hanging collectibles still in the box, um, like, as if they were on a peg. And when I look at the very, very top, I actually have the archived 50th anniversary Lucasfilm Darth Revan figure, and every time I look up and I see him, like I still can't believe I actually managed to get a hold of that, <laughs> and I didn't have to pay a scalper. Yeah, I have three Revans from the Black Series line. I have the one he's talking about, the archive one, and I remember when I pre-ordered it, like a week later, the pre-orders were taken down. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, the power he has with merchandise is just insane. Yeah, it's really insane. Yeah, I I really don't know how I'd react if I saw, you know, Revan coming to Disney Plus. Honestly, my initial reaction would probably be like, oh no. Like, I mean, I would I would want to be excited, but I just It just comes down to who's actually doing it. Like, is it Dave Filoni? Is it uh, what's the other guy's name? Uh, John Favreau. Yeah, John Favreau. Is it them? If they're leading the the ship in the right direction. I'm I'm okay with it. I think they could do it. If they do it, I would like them to start with Revan and the Mandalorian Wars and all that, but that's probably not going to happen. They're probably going to go straight to Knights of the Republic and then we'll get flashbacks of the Mandalorian Wars. 
I don't know if I want to do another series of flashbacks because Boba Fett was nothing but flashbacks. I almost prefer, like, they ride the coattails of the Mandalorians because Mandalorians are selling right now, too. Whenever they release mm-hmm. a new Mando, that figure's gone, too. Um, That's true. So yeah. I would love to see the Neo Crusader uh, Mandos pop up on the screen and Revan actually, like, turning against the will of the council. Like, no, look, we're keepers of the peace and people are getting slaughtered. I'm going to go defend him. Y'all can go fuck yourselves. That's exactly what happens. Yeah. He just takes yeah. a bunch of Jedi with him and they go fight in the war. I would love to see that because then you have like a live action Clone Wars, but it's Revan and his campaign against the Mandalorians. God, I want that so bad. Oh, I could, I could, I could just reach it. I could feel it. It's so close. I know, right? I, it's like it's right there. Uh, I'm nerdgasming too much here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You had to bring up. Well, I brought up Revan first, actually. You did. My surprise mechanic. So I, I started the snowball rolling down the hill. That's my yep. fault. And then I just kept it going. It's like, hey, you know what? I'm going to latch on to his surprise mechanic. I'm going to make my own. <laughs> <laughs> um, But yeah, that's our show, guys. That is episode 38 of the Boundless Gamers. Um, Mike, do you have anything that you want to promote or plug in uh, before we close it all out? No, but I just remembered one more glitch in Cyberpunk. I'll mention <laughs> it real quick. I was in a building. I look down at my feet, and I see this white smoke following me around. I'm like, what the hell is that? And I start running around in the room, and it's just following me, this mist of white smoke. So I'm looking around the room, and I'm like, is there anything in here that's like putting it into the room? Because earlier, I was in a, a room that uh it was like a meat locker room so there was like cold steam and everything but i wasn't in there anymore so i'm starting to think did it take the smoke from that room and bring it with me and it latched onto the player i'm like what the right i have a video of it actually uh i'll share it with you later but no i have nothing to promote right now i just i just remember that glitch i just wanted to throw it out there i'm sorry again ash i'm sorry (laughs) oh she's fully aware of the glitches I like cyberpunk in some ways. It's just a mess. I'm sorry. We say we didn't have that many glitches, but, you know, just because we say we didn't have that many doesn't mean we didn't have our moments. I'm trying to think. Do I have anything that I want to plug in? Um, only thing I can say is just, you know, I'll give a shout out to some of our friends that stream with us. Uh, go check out Two Peas. Go check out Just Eccentric. Um, go check out Dread Pirate Geek. Um, eccentric and dread pirate geek are both super close to affiliate. So all you guys have to do is just go to their profiles, just click follow. That's all you have to do to get them over that finish line. So if you guys can do that, that'd be great. Tell them boundless gamer sent you. But with that note, we're going to close it out. My name is Indy. I'm Mike. And you guys have a great night. We will catch you guys later.